0: Welcome to the Tech Today podcast powered by CEO Raider. It's your host, John Mayetta. A little bit of a throwback podcast tonight with a, a video element added. Yeah, I've talked about in the past how at CEO Raider we plan to add a proprietary scoring system in addition to the crowdsourced scoring system for CEOs. And on the proprietary side, I wanted to do two things. One would be Uh, to partner with a data provider, whether it be a FactSet, a Reuters, a Bloomberg, and score CEOs in part based on return on investor capital, uh, total stock return while that CEO is in the CEO chair for a particular company, revenue growth, profitability growth, both uh, operating profits as well as uh, at the earnings level. Um. Appetites and then more qualitative stuff like appetite for uh, M&A because I feel like sometimes M&A is a, is a lever that companies ignore to their detriment. And then we have our our attributes on top of that where if a, a CEO or an analyst who covers a particular company, once that analyst gets ramped up on a particular company, they could then go in and leverage our proprietary system of attributes, which you could see on the screen here if you're following along in a video. Uh, if you're not aware, we do video podcasts now and post them to YouTube, so all of our audio podcasts are obvious, uh, simultaneously being captured as, as, as video. And so a CEO or industry analyst was covering technology, covering aerospace, whatever the case may be, across all... Uh, segments of the publicly traded company universe. As that analyst gets ramped up on a particular company, he or she could go in. And in addition to the what I just described in terms of ranking the CEO on the financial data, that analyst could then go in and leverage our attributes. Which what do we have now? Forty-two attributes. I'd love to get that up to as it makes sense. Grow that number of of attributes. Over time, Who knows? Steady state. Maybe it will be at uh, 100 attributes in the next several years, 200 attributes after that. So let's just go through David Calhoun, because I've, I've followed him since his GE days, and he took the job over at Nielsen as CEO maybe, what, some 14 years ago, back in 06. Took them out public, failed miserably, wasn't able to navigate through the shift in online spending, uh, rather the shift in advertising spending from offline to online. Had a tough time there. Uh, David Calhoun has been CEO, or rather chairman at Boeing since 2009 before taking over as CEO in January 2020, when his predecessor was forced out for not handling the 737 MAX crisis well at all. And I I think uh, that change ought to have happened. A new CEO ought to have been put in place. Just not a fan of David Calhoun. I don't understand how he makes sense. And you could argue, well, Calhoun's been on the board for the past 11 years. He knows the operation. He's the most qualified person to step in and take over as Boeing CEO without missing a beat. I would argue he's weak. I would argue Calhoun has low character. I would argue Calhoun doesn't have a backbone. I would argue that Calhoun should have stepped in and publicly uh helped out in the effort around the 737 Max crisis and demonstrated leadership. Instead, I think he was afraid. You know, he played the political angle. Calhoun did. He said, "Hey, the 737 Max crisis isn't going to end well for anybody who's involved at least publicly involved uh people are going to want somebody's head on a on a on a spike. I don't want that to be me. Therefore, I'm just going to stay in the background and um and play the card that I wasn't aware what was going on. And that's going to be my party line when I'm named CEO. And sure enough, you know a couple of weeks after being named CEO, Calhoun said, "Geez, I didn't know how bad it was." here at the, at the company until I stepped into the CEO chair. So, you know, clearly Calhoun played dumb. Clearly Calhoun had a sense as to what was going on in the operation. And rather than demonstrating leadership, he chose to remain in the background and avoid any of the collateral damage. So some would say shrewd politician. I would tend to agree bad leader, though you can't have it both ways. You can't be a shrewd politician and uh, uh, abstain from any responsibility or leadership and be an effective leader. So let's just go through our attributes and let's rank Calhoun, which I I took the time to do. You know, me being, I'm playing the analyst role now here for David Calhoun at at Boeing, who I believe is going to fail miserably as CEO. Strong leadership qualities. No, nope, doesn't get to check that box. Lacks moral character. I checked that box. That's a negative box. What do I mean by that? Again, Boeing desperately needed leadership some months ago, dealing with the 737 MAX crisis. And Calhoun, again, longtime uh, board member since 2009, chose to do nothing. Weak moral character, weak leadership. Acquisitive, no check mark there one way or the other. Organic growth focused, it doesn't qualify there. Attentive to investors, I would argue, doesn't qualify there. Inattentive to investors, that's a negative. I gave Calhoun a negative check mark on the attribute inattentive to investors. Why? Well, because I think all of these airline companies and whether they're in the supply chain like Boeing, uh, or actually the, uh, the flight operator, like a Delta, for example, I think the, the players in the airline industry could be doing more. And I'm going to get to that on the, the m and attribute. I'll tell you what I think they could be doing. Consistently meets or beats estimates. It's early days. I didn't put a, a mark there. Inconsistent results versus estimates. I abstained from putting a mark there. Conserves capital. I didn't I didn't vote one way or the other on that attribute on the on the on the bailout thing. If we want to talk about capital for a moment, recall that Calhoun was the first one to knock on the Trump administration's door requesting a bailout for the industry to the tune of fifty to sixty billion. I think the number that actually came through a couple of weeks ago as part of the two trillion dollar stimulus package was fifty-eight billion. But Calhoun knocked loudly, hey, we need a, a taxpayer-funded bailout. We need a taxpayer-funded bailout. We need it. We need it fast. And when the Trump administration did one of the smartest things I think it's, it's ever done, which was to say, if you want a taxpayer-funded bailout, there's going to be strings attached. We're going to take an equity stake, something, right? We're going to take a stake in the company. When the administration went back to Calhoun with that feedback, Excuse me. Calhoun said, "Well, maybe we don't need the bailout after all. Maybe we don't need it after all. Maybe we just wanted the 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 free handout, but with strings attached, we're not so interested. And that's that's moral hazard. That's moral hazard. I can't stand that in a, in a leader. That's weak leadership." You want to raise capital, Calhoun? Go tap the markets. Airbnb did, hey, that would be <clears throat> extremely expensive capital. I agree. It would be egregiously expensive, but you put yourself in that situation. How? We didn't We're not responsible for COVID. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Wasteful capital allocation. Yep. How so? By not diversifying. That's how. Wasteful ap- capital allocation is, is one of our attributes. I'm working through the attributes here. Onward. Guides aggressively. Guides conservatively. I didn't, I didn't rate Calhoun on guidance just yet. It's early days in his tenure. Let's see how it plays out. Short-term focused. I abstain there. If you put a gun to my head, I would say, yes, he's short-term focused. Long-term focused. Certainly not. Invest for growth. Haven't seen it. Under invests. Yep. I'm going to get to that, so I'm going to get to inattentive to investors, wasteful capital allocation, and under-invests all in a moment, because it's all answered by one thing, and if you know me, you probably have an idea as to what I'm talking about. Product-centric, don't see it, so he doesn't get the benefit of that vote. Sales-centric, don't see it, he doesn't get the benefit of that vote. Competitive, I don't have that type of inside information. That's more uh, the type of feedback that would come from uh, an employee, somebody that's Worked beside Calhoun or even somebody more junior in the organization who has a sense as to what this guy's about would be qualified to score the attribute, quote-unquote, competitive. Same with the next attribute, decisive. Same with the next attribute, indecisive. Calculated risk taker, I abstained. Overly risk averse, I abstained. Has a clear vision for the business, definitely not. So we didn't score that one in Calhoun's favor. Unclear business direction, I don't know that his business direction is unclear. I think it's more maintain the status quo, uh, which clearly isn't good enough. Valuation sensitive, I don't think Calhoun's had the opportunity to to uh, demonstrate whether he's not valuation sensitive. That would come more around uh, to the extent that they invested in new, te- new technologies in the operation. That would, uh, the valuation sensitive attribute, was one we were really creative for technology companies insofar as being a comment on their M&A strategy. Operationally focused. Haven't yet seen it. I would argue no. Were Calhoun operationally focused, the 737 MAX disaster would have been largely avoided or entirely avoided. Innovative, definitely not. Unimaginative, unimaginative you bet. Uh, strategic thinker absolutely not well prepared absolutely not customer centric absolutely not insufficient customer attention yep 737 Boeing Max disaster we'll score him there understands the competition <sighs> definitely I would say Calhoun knows his immediate competitors doesn't have an understanding of the land, the adjacent landscape I'm going to get to that in a minute. Takes well-reasoned action. Nope. Blew the 737 MAX uh, process. There was a way to handle that from an operational standpoint, which would have avoided the disaster altogether. There was a way to have handled the 737 MAX crisis uh, after the fact in terms of the PR, which would have been transparency, and he blew that. Um, Optimistic, pessimistic, I'm not sure what what type of... uh, uh, Leader, he is internally in terms of the the, the, the tone of the organization. <clears throat> I would guess pessimistic, but since I don't have a good handle on that, I abstain from voting. Resilient. I haven't seen him, Calhoun do anything creative, anything that would demonstrate resiliency uh, since COVID has has hammered the stock, uh, and, and dating back to his time as chairman beginning in two thousand nine. I haven't seen anything out of Calhoun that would demonstrate demonstrate resiliency. Creative thinker, absolutely not. Employee centric, absolutely not. Uh, low employee attention. I would argue, yes. See, there's an opportunity cost for not being the best leader you can be. And when you're ineffective as a leader, the the, the first people to suffer are employees then customers, then shareholders. But first and foremost, it's employees who suffer. Last attribute, independent thinker. I, I don't have any evidence of that, so I, I abstained. So it's a terrible score. Calhoun gets a score of, of zero in terms of our CR score. And so you know there are a number of attributes here where I said I would get back to it. So the strategic lever... That Calhoun field to exercise that would have demonstrated some creativity, demonstrated some strategic leadership, uh, some competitive differentiation is, is mergers and acquisitions. For those of us in the business, M&A. There was a time when Sabre, S-A-B-R, ticker, was a very good business. Sabre would have made a lot of sense to be inside of a Boeing. Better margin structure, a technology business. Maybe would have afforded Boeing the opportunity to do some creative things from an operational standpoint. There's ITA software that Google. I met those guys geez, a long time ago, 2004 in Cambridge, Jeremy. I forget Jeremy's last name. Um. Unless I checked, maybe a year or so ago, he was leading travel for Google. He was the VP of travel uh, for for Google, which is surprising. Oftentimes, when entrepreneurs start companies and they sell that company, they hang around for two to three years as part of an earnout, and then they're off to the to the next thing. So that would have been a a, a great one for for. Uh, Boeing to acquire ITA software. Instead, Google, I think I ended up acquiring it in either 2007, maybe 2010. And Google also has a partnership they announced some months ago, and they may have put some money in as well to to Sabre um, to, to modernize the, uh, the IT infrastructure. So m M&A is a lever that Calhoun failed to pull. Um there was a company that I met years ago when I was with Solera. It it was and I don't recall the name, it was private equity owned. And it was a company that I believe Verisk ended up buying it maybe five or six years ago. And they created this company had a database around uh airplane specs. The mechanical specs to repair airplanes, you know, for different makes and models. And I didn't like it because it was a a no growth business with very high operating margins. I want to say they were 60 percent operating margins, which told me, hey, if we bought this thing, it would have had to it would have required a fair amount of investment. And one of the things that Solari did not do well was develop product. And I thought, hey, we'd end up paying a lot for this thing. Top line would stay flat or start to decline as we put money in to build out the product. And we wouldn't put enough money in, so that would just be a waste. And so I just looked at the thing as a as sort of a, an expensive headache. But I thought for somebody in the airline industry, it would make a lot of sense. Where somebody like a Boeing could acquire it. Boeing understands the industry. Boeing could sell this immediately to its its customers. It already has those relationships, so the cost of customer acquisition would be low. It already has those, those customers. And you could uh, immediately get some top-line lift on what's already a very profitable business. So if you, Boeing, chose to uh, invest in this company, I mean post-acquisition, chose to invest in it from a product standpoint, you would be offsetting... That expense to a degree or maybe entirely with top line growth. So I, th- I thought Boeing was a great strategic acquirer for that business. But these companies don't know how to think outside of the box. Right. And we saw that in, in grocery some years ago when Amazon came out of nowhere and bought Whole Foods and caught everybody in the grocery industry flat footed. And you're probably going to see the same thing with Amazon and perhaps even Walmart uh, in the, in the, Healthcare, pharmacy benefit management space. You know, the CVSs of the world still can't get their act together in terms of the acquisitions they've made over time, integrating customer data, and it's just an awful customer experience, whether you're talking about high pricing in-store or just maintaining the correct customer data such that John Doe gets a call for John Doe's prescriptions as opposed to John Doe's cousin. Right, just the entity data is not maintained well at CVS. And Amazon's just going to crush them. That day will come. And I feel like the, uh, the airline industry, the various players in the airlines, the aerospace supply chain, it's the same thing. They have sort of this myopic focus on the business and they are going to get blindsided and they're going to have their own version of a black swan. That's not Corona. That's not a natural disaster or a terrorist event, but a competitor that comes out of nowhere and takes the business over and you know what You, sh- you you've you seen it with google google travel i don't know if you've spent any time with google travel but it's an unbelievable service in terms of aggregating hotel bookings airline flights pricing uh and integrating information around different destinations which is more important if it's leisure travel you know pulling the information from google maps google street view so you know, that opportunity was afforded to the airlines to, to go deeper into uh, let's call it destination intelligence or uh, local market intelligence, right? They allowed all these middlemen to come up, the Expedia's and the bookings of the world, who Google's going to eat their lunch. Um, so that's that's David Calhoun in a nutshell. That's some of how we think about grading CEOs. And why it's important to have an effective CEO. And I think I just, i may sound like a broken record. But it matters who the CEO is. And not just at small companies. It matters at companies like Boeing. It matters at Microsoft. So an investor tells me that, hey, it doesn't matter at a, you know, a $50, dollars trillion market cap company who the CEO is. It just runs itself. And I say, BS, look at Microsoft during Steve Ballmer's tenure, during Satya Nadella's tenure. Two completely different philosophies to running a technology company. One sort of uh, competitive, uh, walled off, uh, unwilling to work with competitors on anything, right? So um, just entirely focused on what's going on inside of the four walls of the company. That would be Balmer versus Nadella. Who believes in more of a, an open framework, and was willing to partner with competitors? Um, you know they've they've incorporated Android into some of their offerings, and and, and look at how Microsoft has has grown uh, from a product standpoint, from a revenue and profitability standpoint, from a share price standpoint versus the the under Steve Ballmer's tenure. That's all for now. See you next time.